this week on The Inswinger. Because I think Spurs are on their tail and playing well. Yes, they're going to leak a few goals, but they've just brought in another center back. So I think don't count them out yet. There is a platform to go off for the second part of the season. There is a world where they could stay up. People were asking questions of Iraola, but, but he's turned it around. They're playing good football. You really don't know what you're going to get on any given night, and you're getting far more negative, lackluster performances from Chelsea. All right, welcome back to the Instagram Season 3, Episode 14. Charlie DiMatteo joined alongside... Harrison McGlashan. And we are coming at you live from the country, you know, principality, state, nation state, whatever. We're in the United Kingdom. We're in London. We don't fully understand it. Um, that's not going to stop us from talking about some footy. It's been a while since we have uh, talked with you guys. A lot has gone down since then, but we're going to give our kind of mid-season report cards on all 20 Premier League teams, who's doing well, who's not doing well, um, and maybe who needs some players in January. So without further ado, let's get into it. Um, we're going to go in alphabetical order. We're going to start with Arsenal. Harrison, what have you made of Arsenal's season thus far? It's been kind of up and down. They were teetering for a little bit. Then it looked like they were hitting some form. And now they're kind of in a bit of a wobble after back-to-back losses to uh, West Ham and Fulham. Yeah, I mean, I go back to that that game against Brighton, Charlie, where, you know, it's a team they've struggled against. And it was quite a convincing win at the Emirates. 2-0 was the scoreline. Uh, against a Brighton team that has given them trouble the last few times they've played them. So I thought that would be a turning point for them. Uh, but it was kind of the opposite for whatever reason. I mean, they've they've had two losses to Liverpool in that time, Fulham you mentioned. Uh, and it was a pretty awful December for them. So Palace at home uh, next weekend is a big, big game for Arsenal. Uh, I think they just need to get back to winning ways one way or, or another. Uh, they're in fourth at the minute, so still in the Champions League places, but we know that they aim higher than just that. So I think the problems have obviously been in front of goal, right? I mean, everybody's talked about their their need for a striker. Jesus, you know, Pep got rid of him. Is he the guy to win you a Premier League? You know, maybe not. We know his movement is excellent. His off-the-ball work is fantastic. Link-up play, all of that. But the at the end of the day... <laughs> you know, you need someone who's going to put the ball in the net consistently, especially when your wide players aren't necessarily firing. Mm-hmm. I think Saka and Martinelli, as good as they are, they just haven't been uh, at the levels they were last season for me. I think their defense has been excellent. The midfield, Havertz has improved, but, you know, I think they do miss uh, Xhaka. Rice has been their best player for yeah. me. I think he's been a revelation. But going forward, they've struggled. They've created the chances. They've been in the areas. They just haven't been able to put the ball in the back of the net. I don't think they go for anyone in January. Arteta has said he's happy with uh, you know the current squad. I don't think a ton of teams are going to do business in January, to be honest, just the way the market is. But So I think they're just going to have to make do with what they have till the summer, and then they're going to have to splurge on somebody if they if they really want to compete with City, who are who will get to who are hitting some some incredible form with De Bruyne and Holland coming back. So it's going to be a difficult run-in for Arsenal uh, if they can't find uh, some goals. Yeah, I think the recurring theme is that they aren't as good as they were last year, and it comes down to I, I mean, the, the symbol of their season has been Bukayo Saka and Martinelli, who just haven't been able to produce like they did last year with that being said is it you know can you just put that down to well they're having a down year or do you have to look at like the philosophy of how their team is built to score goals in Arteta's style of play because if if you're relying on Saka and Martinelli to score the types of goals they did last year 
and you're looking at whether or not it's sustainable, then yeah, you really have to look hard at bringing in another striker. And what does that what does that say about this season? If they're kind of not throwing in the towel, but saying, you know, we're not going to be able to score the goals we need to to win the Premier League. That's that's a worry. That, I think that is the bigger issue is scoring goals. I do think their defense is is good. I think Saliba is one, arguably one of the best center backs in the league. Gabriel as well. And like you said, Rice has been really good. But there's a bigger I think there are more questions than we think with this Arsenal team because of the drop-off from last year in individual performances, if that makes sense, and Saka and Martinelli, and whether or not we can just put this down to a bit of bad form, or, you know, last year, last season was the anomaly, and maybe they aren't built to contend for the Premier League for the next five to ten years, and, and if they are, what do they need to do to, what, who do they need to buy to do that? Yeah, I, I think... Uh... I wouldn't be that harsh on them. I think they are built to to challenge, but I think they just need more. Not even in. I mean, first eleven, yes, potentially, uh, but overall in the squad, I just think to compete with City, to compete with Liverpool, you have to throw them in there. You need so many weapons, yeah. And you know, Saka and Martinelli are still young players, and I just think maybe they need a bit more support. Maybe that's why they were going for a guy like Rafinha a couple years mm-hmm. ago, right? To have that competition on the right hand side. Uh, you know, more in midfield, more up front. So I think it's going to take time, right? Last year was their first proper season challenging for the league, uh, you know. So I think, you know, I said it was going to happen for them this year. Uh, you know, they still might get over the line. Who knows? Liverpool could drop off City. Maybe they're, you know, maybe maybe De Bruyne will, I don't know. Maybe they'll pick up more injuries. Who knows? They're not out of it yet. Uh, but the concerns are definitely there, especially at, at the top end of the pitch. All right, moving on to another team who has really, you know, made headlines this year. That's Aston Villa. Unai Emery's Aston Villa. What a job he has done. Um, They're flying high towards the top of the Premier League table. I mean, what can you say about Emery and the job he's done this year? It's kind of just been like everything Villa fans could have ever dreamed of. Absolutely. I mean, they're they're, they're absolutely flying uh, still. I mean, slight dip in form with losses to or with the loss to Man United. Uh, which just seemed like a bit of an anomaly, really. Just one of those Man United fluke results. Uh, draw to Sheffield United. Um, but they were back to winning ways versus Burnley. I think for Villa, the key is just, can they keep that winning feeling at Villa Park? They're so, so good at home. If you can just keep that going, I think they're going to be top four, no problem. You know, you can afford a few losses on the road if if Villa Park continues to to deliver and and the crowd is behind them and they can continue to just grind it out and blow teams away at times i I think they'll be fine uh i think if they stay fit especially ollie watkins of course like you want to see him fit if he's out of the team you know they're gonna have to make do with john Duran, players like that so there certainly are some key players for villa that that need to stay fit if they want to really mount this this top four because i think spurs are on their tail and playing well yes they're gonna leak a few goals but they've just brought in another center back so i think don't count them out yet but I'm pretty confident that Villa will get it. You know, I just think that they are, they're they're playing well. They have a game plan for every week. Uh, they're they're just tough to score against as well. The defense has been good. Uh, Moreno is has been back now at left back. Uh, so they're they're healthy at the moment. Uh, and I think if they stay that way, and if Villa Park, uh, if they continue their their excellent form there, I, I think they'll be a, a shoe in really for top four. Yeah, I think fitness as always is the issue um you know with these kind of teams like villa mounting a top four challenge um i just think that emory needs to get a lot of credit i think he's he's getting it from the media but to to change the mentality like he has um at villa and at villa park in the way he has it's really become a fortress and that's what you need 
if you're going to you know challenge for the top four you have to have that solid home field advantage and that's it's clear that they have that um so villa have been one of the stories of the season super excited to watch and i think there's a good chance they win the conference league even if so at a minimum you're looking at europa league football um and then with the investment that could come if they get the champions league that could that could be huge yeah all right uh let's move on to the next team we've got brentford um bournemouth first brentford brighton bournemouth r comes before l i believe this is the website i'm looking at really abc efg H I J K L M N O P. Oh, you're right. They got this wrong. It's a Spanish website. Ah. All right, so we'll go with we'll go with Bournemouth. Um, I mean, I'll just say something quickly on Bournemouth. I had them high in my um, kind of predictions for a while, and then or beginning of the season, and then they kind of dipped in form, and I changed it, and then they hit a really good patch of form. Iraola has really been kind of not a story of the season, but. Um, a lot of people question whether his tactics would work in the Premier League, um, but Solanke, he's just one player of the month. He's scoring goals for fun. They've got contributions coming in from all areas of the pitch, and all of a sudden, the the gamble, which looked like a big gamble to sack Gary O'Neill, has not been one. It, they've It's been the right one, because Iriola has been able to translate a more progressive style of play with more attacking players, um, and they've, 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 they've tripped teams up really well, um, and all of a sudden, what looked like a team destined for the drop are kind of slowly but surely pushing themselves away from that kind of Luton, Burnley, Chef United tier up towards maybe with a forest and, you know, I don't know that they shouldn't be down there, but Everton in the table. Um, so Bournemouth have been really impressive. The job Iriola has done is one of the hardest jobs in football, I think, to take a mid to bottom team tier in the Premier League and turn them and change the, the philosophy of which they play, not be that kind of tough to break down team, but play progressively and be attractive to watch. I think that's so hard to do. So many teams have tried and failed, including our two teams, West Ham and Everton, you know, with likes of Marco Silva and Pellegrini. They, and it just doesn't work. Um, but Bournemouth have really hit form and it looks strong right now. Yeah, credit to them for, again, taking the gamble, as you said. Um, super impressive. I mean, I remember Everton played them uh, early on at Goodison and just, and just blew them away, really. They just didn't have the bottle, the physicality, really, to compete nor the quality, but they've really turned a corner. I mean, question marks were being asked. Let's not, you know, put it, let's put it right here. Uh, people were asking questions of Areola, but but he's turned it around and they're playing good football. Solanke's been unbelievable. I think he's knocking on the door for the England team, really. I mean, Watkins is ahead of him probably, but depends how many strikers he wants to take, Southgate. Uh, but Solanke, you have to throw him in there. I mean, he doesn't have many less goals than, than Holland and Son, I think. He's, he's What is he on, like, he's on 15 or something like that? I don't no, know. he doesn't have more than Bowen. Does he? And Bowen's got 11. I think he's got 10, Solanke. 10? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what are we, like 20 games in? Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. So, uh, And their other players are obviously playing well, too. He's, he's tightened up the defense a bit. So, yeah, credit to Bournemouth. They're flying. The only loss they've had in the last eight games was to Spurs. So they're in really, really good form. And, yeah, I mean, they're comfortably mid-table. I think they're on them and Wolves, which is funny. The Gary O'Neill sort of battle there uh, have both been excellent and in similar spots in the table. So credit to them. For, for changing it around yep all right now we can go uh to brentford before i jumped the gun and thomas frank's men no ivan tony this year um for them and it's kind of been a bit underwhelming which is to be expected i think the goals he provides um are just gold dust for a team like brentford and without them you know the likes of Mbomo have had to step up and he's out um at afcon i believe right now 
um, and just hasn't been able to produce. He's a, I, I really like a player like Mboma, but Tony is such a big miss. So I think it's disappointing if you're a Brentford fan, but there's not much you can do given, you know, Tony's suspension, I think. Yeah, I mean, definitely more one of the more disappointing sides, I guess you could say, in the league. Uh, they're in trouble, I think, but Tony's coming back, right? So I think they will be fine. They've got goals with him. But yeah, Bomo, his injury uh, is, I think it was a three-month uh, three month injury. So I think he's probably got another month or two to go to come back, which is a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, you look at the side, they just, I, I don't see where the goals come from, you know, aside from, from Tony. We know they've got some decent players, uh, like the look of the back line. Uh, I mean, Thomas Frank is a good coach. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, there a lot of these players uh, aren't of the, you know, the highest quality, to put it lightly, uh, to really compete towards the top, you know, the top half, really. Uh, it doesn't mean Frank is doing a bad job. Um, but you know, they, they do need, they do need goal scorers. Uh, but we know they can recruit well. I mean, listen, they brought in Neil Mope from Everton, right? I've seen Neil Mope plenty of times. He's not a very good player. I know he's scored a couple, uh, but the drop off there is, is incomparable really. And Wissa and Bomo, you know, have, have done a job up front now and Bomo's injured, you know, so they just, I think they just need, it's a lack of attacking options really for, for Brentford. And, uh, I mean, hopefully they can stay above the line because Luton are in some decent form. So I do worry a bit, but with Tony coming back, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, I trust Tony and I trust Frank. Uh, moving on to Brighton, who started the season like a house on fire, um, but Brighton have just been ravaged by injuries. You look at who's playing where and who they don't have. Um, so many guys out. Deservey has really had to juggle European football in the Europa League, and the Premier League results have kind of been hindered because of that. Um, I don't think there's any cause for concern. I think Brighton's main focus should be on getting their players back fit. Um, because we know what they can do when the likes of, you know, Ansu Fati are fit. Jao Pedro has been a really good positive signing uh, for them, but some of the guys they're relying on now, like Welbeck, um, Evan Ferguson's been in and out injured. They're trying to manage him. They just really haven't been able to get the same 11 players out there consistently. And that's a shame because I think if you can do that, I think there was some really positive recruitment over the summer, and we haven't really been able to see that shine through yet with Brighton after like the first like month of the season that there's it was a really good couple months stretch where they just were struggling and in, inconsistent because the players who were playing are inconsistent and that's one of the fallacies of you know being a team who doesn't have super depth like the top three or four teams in the league so i think that's been the story of brighton's kind of second um you know quarter of the season i should say they had a really positive first quarter this second quarter hasn't gone as swimmingly um but they're still in the europa league they qualified in a tough group so tons of reason to be optimistic. Um, they just signed this kid, Ezekiel Barco, I think. Um, an Argentinian youngster for $10 million, looks super promising there. Um, so we know what they can do when they recruit. But I think you know, fitness and not having players available has really hindered Brighton. And until they get fully fit, I think their top six or seven charge is going to have to be on hold. Yeah, I think it might be a step too far for them this year, Europe. But, I mean, they're still playing good football. I mean, the game against Spurs, 4-2. I mean, they can blow teams away when, when they really hit some form. Uh, they're just, they're just the, the football they play, the chances they create, um, and the goals they can score. I mean, Jao Pedro has been excellent. Evan Ferguson, Juan Anate's back. They've, they've got players that can hurt teams, uh, but they might just have to take one step back this year with, like you said, the injuries they've had, and, and other teams have just improved. So I don't have much to add there, but still bullish on Brighton. I think they're having a, a, another good season. I mean, let's not forget this is Brighton. You know, they were. They were at the lower end of the table a few years ago. So, Deserby's done an incredible job, and they're playing good football. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, let's move on to, I believe, Burnley. And Burnley were a team I think a lot of people were positive on before the season, company, and the style of play. But a lot of people, including us, um, questioned their recruitment and who they brought in. And that's kind of been the story of their season. There just isn't a lot of proven talent. Haven't been a lot of goals scored from this Burnley team. And defensively, because company's tactics are a little bit more progressive than, say, Daishis were last time we saw them, in the top flight they've struggled they've struggled to get points especially at home they've really struggled um that has to be a fortress for them turf more if you're going to survive in the premier league and it hasn't um so if you're i think they're going to sign david datro fafana on loan from chelsea maybe he is a spark he's unproven as well though um so i'm not sure if he's the answer i think structurally you have to look at company and whether he needs just a better caliber of player to make his system work. And if, if he can't get that call, caliber of player, you have to question kind of what his ceiling is with Burnley because it's clear he wants to play a type of way. And if he can't do that with these players, then what's next? Yeah, I mean, I think they're down, to be honest. Uh, I just I think, I think you said it well there. They just, I'm not sure they have the players to play the way he wants to play in the Premier League. Uh, that doesn't mean Vincent Company plays a bad style of football or is a bad coach, but. I think they had to know what they were getting into, you know, Burnley. I think a lot of people were bullish on them at the start of the season. But you look at the squad, a lot of unproven talent uh, that may have done it in the championship or overseas, uh, but not in the Premier League. It's just a different beast, this league. So, yeah, I think they'll go down. Um, I think they have a good chance of coming back up. I think stick with them. I think you've bought in now. you got to stick yeah. with them. I, would, I, I don't expect them to change. Uh, nor do I necessarily think they should because – I think it'd be tough for any manager to really keep Burnley up in this league uh, this season. I just think it's the the other teams in the league, the way Luton are playing, it's just, it's a long way to go. Uh, so I think stick with company, see if you can just get the players that experience in the Premier League. And maybe in, in two years, they'll, they'll come back and be okay. But I don't think it's going to happen for them this year. They're just not scoring goals. They're conceding goals. It's just, it's not happening for Burnley, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Moving on to our local team, Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea's season has been a mess, kind of a mess that we anticipated when they decided to implement the transfer strategy. Uh, however, what I want to touch on here is Pochettino because Pochettino, I think a lot of people were optimistic when they brought him in because he has experience with developing young talent. But the more we're seeing of Pochettino, um, we're seeing more frustrations come from Chelsea fans in regards to where Levi Colwell is playing and the midfield balance and you know, sticking with kind of an out-of-form Raheem Sterling up top. And decisions are slowly being... They're, they're creeping up on Pochettino and the concerns which originally stemmed from, you know, the board and the recruitment are now looking squarely on the shoulders of Mauricio Pochettino. And there just is no consistency in the team that plays, the players, the style of play. Um, and you really don't know what you're going to get on any given night. And you're getting far more negative, lackluster, you know, spineless performances from Chelsea than positive ones um, and that's really been the theme of their season and they're going to have to turn it around if they want to get any sort of European football which doesn't look likely and FFP I don't know what the issue is but Chelsea's owners clearly thought that they were going to get some greater return on their investment of these purchases because of a higher league position and it's clear it's not coming this year no certainly not uh, I'd still be sticking with Pochettino uh, I just think who comes in, who gives you a better chance, who gets these players up for it. Uh, you can't, you, the only way to get experience, which is in my opinion, what a lot of these guys need is through playing. Uh, so that's what they're doing. <laughs> we talked about the ownership a lot, the way they've spent money. 
for me, you look at the squad, a lot of people will disagree and say there's quality there. And there is, but, you know, with Cole Palmer, it's had a good season. Gallagher, we like. But they're not as good, even on paper, as, for me, Man United have better players. I know they're not playing well. Uh, even, I would argue, Newcastle might have a better squad. Okay, and Kunku's a great, you know, talent, but hasn't really played much. I'm talking Premier League-proven talent. I don't think they're better on paper, even, than a lot of teams. So I think it's going to take time. I think you're right that a lot of fans will be running out of patience. And there are question marks. I don't like Colwell at left back. I think he is a center back. Uh, but Chilwell's not fit, right? And Cucurella has been sort of hot and cold. So, so who do you play there? Uh, I think the defense has been okay. I haven't been hugely impressed with DeSassi, but I think he does a job. Tiago Silva, I think you just need him there because he is experienced and he is a leader. Um, you know, other than that, there aren't many leaders on the pitch. Reese James has never fit. Gallagher, I think, has been the bright spot. Now he's linked with a move away to balance the books. I, I'd be shocked if that happened. Uh, Cole Palmer, again, excellent, but struggled in front of goal against Middlesbrough. We were watching that game. I mean, they create chances, Chelsea, a lot of the time. They just can't put the ball in the net. Jackson, again, he, he's going to miss chances. He's a decent player, but he, he's a frustrating player, right? So we've, we've talked about all these guys. So I think you're right. It's not going to happen this season for Chelsea. Uh, if they want to succeed... Uh, in the short term, they need more investment. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's true. So I just think it's going to be another mid-table year, really. All right, moving on to Crystal Palace, who have really struggled under Roy Hodgson. Palace fans um, unhappy with some of the things Hodgson has been coming out and saying, how they're kind of fortunate to be in the Premier League. Just kind of a lack of ambition shown by everyone You know, that has anything to do with Crystal Palace. And it looked like when they... Didn't get Zaha. They brought in this Mateus Franca kid, but he's young. It's just a bit of stagnation um, from Palace. It's like you don't think they're going to go down, but they could, but they're not going to finish in the top half. And that's a really kind of just depressing state to be in. Um, and I think Palace, they tried with Vieira to bring in a more exciting, progressive manager. And now you're kind of back to that. You're back with Hodgson. Things are boring, not good, barely hanging on. You know, there has to be more to, to football than this for Palace fans. I know it sounds serious, but I mean, what is the next step? Yeah, I mean, they've stayed in the Premier League for a long time now. You'd like to see them, I guess, progress. I mean, they've, they've never played in, in Europe since they've since they've been up. I don't know if they played in Europe ever. Probably not. Uh, but it's, it's a tough league to succeed in. It really is. I mean, you look at what the other teams are doing. Uh, Bournemouth, for example, right? Like taking the gamble, being more progressive. I think that's something that Steve Parrish and Palace will probably be looking at in the long term. But again, they kind of know they're going to lose their best players. So do you gamble and then you lose those guys and then you're stuck with a squad that can't play that football, right? So I think it, it's really difficult for a team like Palace to, to progress um, because they're not backed by huge, uh, you know, uh, you know, owners with, with huge amounts of money. So it, it, it's just going to be difficult for them, but it, they are going to stay up. <laughs> they always do. Uh, they'll always be mid-table. Um, so that, that you're right. It is a bit boring, but it, it is kind of just who they are, isn't it? Yeah. All right, moving on to your boys, Everton. Uh, we've talked about the point deduction, but where are you on Daish's boys after, you know, about halfway through the season? Yeah, listen, uh, a, a dip in form for sure after four wins on the bounce. Uh, the, the Carabao Cup defeat to Fulham on pens was, was gutting. I thought against Spurs, we played really well. City played well in the first half, but they blew us away. And then the Wolves game was was really, really poor. Probably our worst performance of the season. Uh, and then, and then you know, a decent performance uh, at Palace. Unlucky not to get that one done. And, and it'll go to a replay. But I, I'm still in the same mindset of that. 
you know, I, I think we'll be fine without the points deduction. We're 12th. That's where we should be. Uh, we're a mid-table team. The stats tell you that. The eye test tells you that. Uh, McNeil's injury isn't looking good. It's an opportunity for Danjuma. We have got a little bit of depth there, uh, but we are a little thin. I, I'm worried about the injuries. I said it at the start. I think that'll hold us back a little bit. Squad depth, you know, we're bringing on players like Lewis Dobbin who haven't done much in the Premier League. So injuries will hurt us. Uh, so I hope we can just stay fit. And if we do, I think we'll be absolutely fine. Deitch plays football that is, uh, you know, going to keep you in the league. And it's, and it's doing a lot more than that. I mean, we, we have progressed this season. We played some decent stuff. We look good on the counterattack. Um, we can hurt teams. I think we can hurt a lot of teams. So uh, still very content with where we're at. Don't expect a ton of business in the January window, maybe a loan or two. Uh, but I think we'll be fine. Yeah, I think the story of Everton's season has been the points deduction because you're really seeing what Dice is all about um, and the performances you're getting from these players. And it was translating to results for a good period there. Um, so it is such a shame that the points deduction came and we'll see if what happens with the appeal process, um, if anything. All right, let's move on to Fulham uh, up next. Fulham, we'll be seeing them play live and in person tomorrow, or depending on when this goes out. We'll, we'll have seen them play at Stamford Bridge. Um, looked like they were going to lose Paini at the beginning of the year, brought in Awobi, lost Mitrovic, but Marco Silva has kind of done his thing. They play some decent stuff. They've got some good players. I feel like this is kind of Fulham's ceiling. Um, you know, when, Whenever they got promoted into the league, it's like, oh, maybe they could be a mid-table team. And with the right manager, they could you know, play some good football and progress. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing for a second straight season. I think Raul Jimenez is slowly um, coming up with the goals that Mitrovic got last year, and that's translating to points. That's a positive sign. Um, they put in a decent performance against Liverpool at Anfield in the League Cup um, semifinal first leg. We're a bit unlucky. They'll have a chance at home, only down a goal, to maybe get a trip to Wembley. Um, so I'm positive on Fulham. I think there was a moment there early in the season where they were kind of struggling defensively, um, but I like the pieces at the back. I like Tosin. I'm not huge on X Hammer Issa Diop, but I do like Calvin Bassi. I think he'll come good. I think the players are there for Fulham, and I, I rate Marco Silva. Yeah, I have to say they, they're one of the teams that's proved me wrong. I thought they were in trouble without Mitrovic at the start, and I didn't think they were brilliant at the start. But I think the story of, of the, the of December has been Jimenez. I think he's just hit form, which is really good to see, by the way, that because he has not been scoring goals uh, since that that awful injury. injury. Uh, but he looks great. He looks great, and and, and they've needed that uh, because we know Mitrovic was was really carrying them at points last season. But you're right. I mean, Silva he plays decent football. They get results home and away. Uh, I think I think they're a mid-table side. I think yeah, I think they're going to need investment to progress. I don't think that'll come in January, but I think Fulham fans will be buzzing with their season so far. I mean, another season in the Premier League comfortably is is a good season for Fulham. Definitely. All right, moving on to their opponents in the League Cup semi-final. Liverpool, I think, are for me ahead of where I expected them to be in this transition phase because they got rid of so many players who had been there for so long and been so successful under Jurgen Klopp. Um, I think a lot of us questioned whether it was going to happen this season, whether they were going to be title contenders this season, but they are. And the signings of Savazlai and Endo have really kind of solidified that midfield. Trent and Van Dyke are back to their best. And I think that's been the biggest catalyst for Liverpool's success, especially Van Dyke. I think post that injury for a season or two there, he wasn't back to his best, even at the beginning of this year, this calendar year, rather in 2023, he was a bit shaky. But him and Trent have been back to their best. Salah is still scoring goals. Questions are there on Darwin uh, and Luis Diaz and their output, but you're getting goals from Jota and Gakpo. And there are just a plethora of weapons off the bench. And I think that 
coupled with this new look midfield with McAllister. I think he's been a great signing. Everything they would have wanted. Gravenberch, I think, leaves a bit to be desired. Um, but if you're a Liverpool fan, you're buzzing because when all those players left this summer, you couldn't help but question, you know, if they were going to click right away. Um, but I think they have, and I think they're the closest team to City. I think City are still the favorites. I think Liverpool are second favorite. And I think beginning of the season, if you would have said that in January, they would have, you know, bit your hand off of that. Yeah, absolutely. I have to eat my words a bit with Liverpool. I didn't think they were ready to to win the league. Um, I still don't think they will. I think I think this is a big month for them without Salah yeah. and without Endo has been really good. Um, so can they find the goals from elsewhere? I don't think Diaz has been brilliant. Nunes, we know what he's like. Uh, can Gakpo hit a bit of form? He's a player I'd be looking at. Uh, Van Dijk, again, back to his best. The defense looks good. Um, although Trent's injured now, isn't he? Um, but yeah, big, big January, February period for Liverpool with, with Salah at AFCON. Uh, I think I think it might be a perfect storm for City with Liverpool's talisman gone, their talisman coming back. I just think they might leapfrog Arsenal and Liverpool and get back into it. But we'll get to them. Liverpool have been super impressive. Uh, they deserve to be top of the league. They're playing good stuff. Um, if they can stay healthy, if they can, if they can stay up there while Salah's gone, they've got a great chance uh, in, in the final run-in to, to win it. Yeah. All right, moving on to Luton. Luton, I think, were one of the stories of the of the league when they got promoted just because of the unlikeliness of their story. And we were all kind of, you know, what are we going to get? Ken Worth Road, can that become a fortress? But they've slowly become the team I think we thought they would be in that they are very rigid. They're tough to break down. They use their home uh, advantage well. They've got players who are willing to graft. Um, and then you're kind of seeing the likes of Ross Barkley and Andros Townsend, two unlikely ex-Everton players, kind of stepping it up for him, offering that just bit of Premier League experience. And Rob Edwards has done a terrific job at just kind of keeping them above water. Like there, there could have been a world where they're down by Christmas, and that's not the case. They're kind of still hanging around, and I think they're growing into the season as opposed to kind of a team like Burnley who's really not picked up any sort of momentum. Same with Sheffield United, whereas I think Luton, because of where expectations were at the beginning of the season, there is there is a platform to go off for the second part of the season. There is a world where they could stay up. It'd be, you know, it's definitely unlikely, but you can see it now. Whereas I think parts in August and September, you, you struggled to see it. Yeah, I think if, if Tony wasn't coming back for Brentford, I'd be really thinking about Luton leapfrogging them in the league. But yeah, I mean, Bam Adebayo, what, what a player he's been for them. Just a huge threat off of set pieces. He's, he's been hitting a bit of form. Uh, they've got Morris there. They've got, like you said, the Everton boys, former Everton boys. Barkley's been, uh, I mean, he's at a renaissance. Townsend, they've got a plan. It's working. They're scoring goals. Uh, they're not going to score goals every game because I think teams will just figure it out and maybe, uh, you know, just be able to deal with that threat. Um, but I think they've got the best chance out of, the promoted teams to stay up for sure i mean sheffield united have been better under chris wilder uh but luton have been impressive i just i i don't think it's i think it'll be a step too far for them just with the teams ahead of them again tony coming back for brentford nuno in it for us doing a decent job everton are are, are better than a relegation side in my humble opinion <laughs> um so i think it might be a step too far for them but i have to say i've been impressed with them i didn't expect them to be uh this good to be honest they're not a bad side luton uh if they if they had some some better players even i mean they, they'd really be a, a serious serious challenger to those other teams i mean alfie dowdy shout out he's been excellent uh, they've got some good they've got some decent defenders um but i just think it, it won't happen for them this year um i'm saying that with my everton hat on but uh 
yeah, listen, it credits Rob Edwards and Luton. Mm. Uh, the, I think they'll go back down. Uh, but they've got a great chance of being a Premier League team for years to come because they've got a good manager and, and seems like there's just a good vibe about the place. All right, moving on to Man City, who sit third in the table. And it's a bizarre one for Man City because for large parts of this first half of the season, they've been as poor as they've been for a f- good few years now in terms of teams they were dropping points to. Um, but a lot of that, I think, is down to the injury of Kevin De Bruyne and Holland being out for these past couple weeks. They do have great depth, but there's only so much you can do to replace a guy like Kevin De Bruyne. And now, because Arsenal have faltered and because Liverpool haven't been able to pull away and you know Villa are punching above their weight, they're kind of just right in the thick of it at the right time. They're getting fit. And I think we all have this assumption that they're just going to go on one of these runs where they just don't lose for like 15 games and win like 12 um and if that's the case i have a really hard time thinking anyone besides liverpool is going to be able to compete with them at any kind of level i don't think arsenal can in their state i don't think villa can so all of a sudden if you're man city it's kind of like you had a rough couple of months but you hung in there you're in the fight and you're getting your best players back when it matters and i still think they're the favorites to go on and win the premier league yeah i'd agree they're five points off top of the game in hand uh two points off of villa so yeah, they're going to be a problem, especially with Holland and De Bruyne back, like we've mentioned. Uh, I I agree. I agree with everything you said. I think they are the favorites. Um, I, I think they'll do it, unfortunately. I'd love to see somebody else do it for the sake of the league. Um, but they're just too strong. They've just got too many options. Even even I mean, even with the De Bruyne injury, the midfield. I mean, Bernardo Silva, he's been excellent. Uh, you know, to be fair, when Rodri hasn't been fit, they've struggled. Yeah. Um, so, so there's a, a negative for them, but... Yeah, I think you're right. I, I just struggle to see past them. I think I think they're just going to go on a run. Uh, could the Champions League sort of deflect their attention? Maybe, but they've won the treble before, so they can juggle multiple competitions. They have the squad to do it. Um, so yeah, I, I'd be I'd be worried if I was the other teams because I think they're they're you're right. They're getting fit at the right time, and you know they do hit their stride in sort of February January time, don't they? So yeah, yeah they're they're going to be a problem for sure. Man United, I think, are essentially in the same boat as Chelsea. They've been able to pick up some more points just because I think they've got a bit more experience in their team. But when you look at Ten Hag and his style of play, what is it? Where is it? Are we seeing it week in, week out? Do the players know what it is? Are they buying into it? This whole Sancho issue going on off the pitch, the Jim Ratcliffe saga. I mean, it's just more of the same of Man United in the last five to ten years in that there's not enough focus on structured, um, strategic recruitment. You're leaving too much power to the players. I mean, what is going on with Marcus Rashford this year? Anthony Martial is going to leave on a free. They've managed that situation so poorly. Casemiro has been injured for a while. Mount, I feel like we haven't seen since September. Uh, it's just a mess. And they don't look like they're anywhere near even competing for a top four spot. I mean, they are because of where they are in the table. They're not mathematically out of it. But if you were to say, yeah, I think Man United are going to comfortably finish in the top four, you'd be, you know, you'd be crazy. That's not, that's just not the reality of the situation at Old Trafford right now. No, they're an eighth at the moment. I think they'll stay there. They're not better than Brighton. Uh, I'd back West Ham over them. I mean, maybe with the injuries, that's another thing. Arsenal, Spurs, I mean, there's just so many teams better than them, playing better than them. Um, I think it's going to be more of the same until until the summer. I think until we see the plan, the new director of football and scouts and recruitment people brought in and the structure of the club changes, I don't expect anything anything to change in the short term. I think the question will be, 
do they stick with Ten Hag? Do they let him bring in more of his boys? Or do they switch things up? I'd like to think they, they switch things up. But in terms of this season, by hook or by crook, they've picked a few points up. But they're not playing that well. And they're not that they're just not that good, you know? So uh, I think eighth, <laughs> it's, a, it's a poor season by their standards. But I, I think that's about where, where they will uh, end up, to be honest. I mean, even Newcastle, I think, will leapfrog them. Chelsea could. So it could, yeah. it could get worse. And Newcastle is the team we're going to go on to next. It's kind of been a, a tale of two halves to their first half of this season. Things were starting off kind of as they picked, uh, as they left off at the end of last year. Had that famous win against PSG in the Champions League, but that petered out after some disappointing performances. But again, the story of their season, similar to Brighton, has been injuries. Um, guys like Botman have been out for a while. Obviously, they lost tenali um and it's just kind of been a carousel and they've had to rely on kids like lewis miley who's actually stepped up and done a a fairly good job but you know that's not the player if you're a newcastle guy you're looking to hang your your hat on i think Isaac has been good but he was out for a while gordon has had a promising second year our first full year rather um up on tyne side but i think it's disappointing if you're a newcastle fan but i don't think you're anywhere near at the point where you need to question eddie howe i think the job he's done and the time he's done it says everything about you know what kind of manager he is and i think newcastle have still a ways to go before they start considering going to get that next level manager to compete you know not just to be in the champions league but to win the champions league because like we've seen with ffp it's going to take time for them to be able to spend that money and a lot of newcastle fans aren't happy because they are playing within the rules because they don't want to get in trouble like Everton did, like maybe Forest and Wolves are even, but City are as well. And they can't even spend the money that the Saudis have. And that's what they're upset with. And even some other fans don't think that seems right because of what City have done in recent years, what Chelsea are doing. And so how can it be that Newcastle can't spend this money? Because when they do, I think we're all really positive on Newcastle and Eddie Howe and, and how he can gel the old players that were there and improve them, but also implement the guys like Bruno G and Isak and, and Gordon and the expensive players, because that's really the long-term vision for Newcastle. And this year, Howe has kind of had to manage expectations and just manage the squad. Yeah, two steps forward, one step back, I think, for Newcastle. Yeah. I think it's going to take time. It's going to take patience. FFP is an issue. Uh, Newcastle don't generate what Man United, what City, what all these teams that spend a lot of money do. They just don't. Uh, they're not as big a club. Sorry. <laughs> um uh, but they're fine. Eddie Howe has done a good job overall. They've had a lot of injuries. They're in ninth. They might end up outside of the European places. It's not the end of the world. The squad still needs work. Dan Ashworth is there. He's going to bring in uh, good players. I, I, I would back I back their, their structure. I think they're going in the right direction. Um, it's just this season has been you know a perfect storm, a shit storm, <laughs> really, um, for them. So unfortunate. I get it, the disappointment because of the high of last season, crashing out of the Champions League. I get all that. Uh, but I wouldn't be panicking at all if I, if I were Newcastle. I think they're fine. Uh, they just might be mid-table this year. They, they might just not have the players uh, fit to, to, go, to go all the way and to finish in the top four, top five again. So unfortunate, but uh, I, I think they'll be all right in the long run. Yeah. All right. Moving on to Nottingham Forest, who started off really positively. We liked some of the signings they made, but the dynamic between the owner, Marinakis, and Steve Cooper just completely went up in flames. And Cooper wasn't able to get the best out of all these new players. And he got the sack. They've hit a bit of form. New manager bounced, maybe. Nuno Espirito Santo back in the Premier League managing again. And Forest have rebounded because of that. Um, but I'm not still fully sold on Forrest, especially with Nuno at the helm. I do think this is kind of just a new manager bounce. I still think 
they have so many players and there's not a lot of balance in that forest team i think there's quality in certain parts especially gibbs white awanyi when he comes back i mean he's been such a big miss i feel for cooper in a way because i think without awanyi they were destined to struggle um matt turner and goal and that other greek guy as well at the, in defense Willie Bali's playing a lot. They've got Felipe, but I'm not sold, really. It's I like, like Mario. Mario, yeah. He's been a good kind of young Brazilian, different kind of style of center back. Um, Sangari and Mangala in midfield. I was hoping to see a bit more from Sangari, who's kind of been on the radar of top European clubs for a while. Hasn't really hit form in the Premier League, but Forest are okay for now, but they are a team I think you keep an eye on with Nuno at the helm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm not super sold in the long run. I think short term, they'll be fine. They'll probably stay up. They've got good players, um, but I think the squad actually needs trimming. I think they need to trim the fat a little bit at Forest and and bring in some more quality you know, over quantity um, because there's a lot of guys there uh, who, who probably just shouldn't be there. you know. And, and I know they've had injuries and have needed to use the squad, uh, but I'm not, I, I think like you, I'm not totally convinced. I think Nuno will be fine uh you know in the long run but i you know i don't really see them progressing beyond mid table in the next few seasons and forest fans are a big club they have ambitions so we'll see i think it's definitely one to watch i'm curious the style nuno implements how pragmatic he's going to be the players he might bring in the george mendez relationship it's going to be really interesting to see what forests do in the summer i don't think they'll do much in january um but yeah they'll probably stay up and uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch them next season. Yeah. All right, moving on to Sheffield United, perhaps the most bleak-looking team in the Premier League. A lot of us had them finishing bottom, and there hasn't really been much in these first 20 or so games to change our opinion, at least in my opinion, on them. They really don't have um, the goals. Cameron Archer, I think he scored on his debut, but since then hasn't really been able to put together any sort of consistency. They sacked... Um, their manager hacking bottom they brought Chris Wilder back in I mean what is this what are we doing here um, Chris Wilder back in the Premier League I, they're just destined for the drop and that's kind of why I have to say on Sheffield United they always were weren't they I mean the, the business they did in the summer the lack of um, it's not going to happen for them like a few of their guys Archer Hammer they look decent but uh, you're right they, they just don't have the quality we, we don't need to add too much I don't think they'll, they're down sorry <laughs> uh, as for Spurs Tottenham Hotspur fascinating one um, because they started so well and we were all saying what what could stop Spurs and then it all happened against Chelsea they lost Van de Ven they lost Madison um, Suma has been suspended a couple times as has Romero and all of a sudden all these guys who have been so good for Ange are just aren't there uh, and they haven't they've been playing the same style but they've been leaking goals because they've been playing Emerson and Ben Davis as their two center backs, but they were trying to address it. They've got Radu Dragosin coming in um, from Genoa. I, I think it's Genoa. Um, Timo Werner on loan while Hummin's son is out. Um, Richarlison was kind of picking up his goal tally, and there's still there was that dip, I think, where they lost four in a row, including a couple at, uh, at home at home to West Ham as well. They lost, but they're kind of picking it up. And I think the work they're doing in January says, hey, Ange, we believe in you. We believe we can get top four. Here are some players to go out and do it. And that's, you know, where they're at halfway through the season, looking for top four, not kind of on the decline. Agreed. I think fourth or fifth is a good season for them, but I think Arsenal have to be careful. Villa, I mean, they're on their tails. They really are. So yeah, bullish on Spurs. I think, you know, they, they've continued to play the same way. They leaked a few goals against Brighton, um, 
But again, just dealing with the teams they need to deal with. They're just going to create so many chances. They're going to beat the lesser opposition um, against teams like City and, and Arsenal who, who have the attacking talent. Yeah, they might concede. Um, but, I mean, for a first season under Ange, I think we have to go back, right, and zoom out and say, we expected this team to finish like eighth, maybe, yeah. right? So they've exceeded everyone's expectations. I think it's important to address that. Uh, they've been brilliant to watch. They're the most entertaining team in the league. So I'm still quite bullish on Spurs. And if they get top four, it'll be a really, really good season. Without Harry Kane, who they had to sell their best player, Son is now at, at the Asia Cup. So it's going to be a, a big month for them without him. People are going to have to step up. Uh, but if they can get Madison and Van de Ven and those guys back, I think they're they're really in for uh, a, a quite a good run. And, and they're going to be pushing uh, to the end, I think so. Villa and Arsenal have to have to be careful because Spurs are playing really good football and they've, they've got players who can hurt teams. Yeah, speaking of players who can hurt teams, West Ham, my boys. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> players who can hurt teams, West Ham. Um, That's funny. I think West Ham season, we started off great in August and September, had a bit of a dip in form when we played some tougher teams. Then we really hit form over the festive period and the front three, which we had talked about, like, how is this going to work? Where is Kudus going to play? Where is Pakita and Bone going to play? David Moyes has kind of cracked the code a bit. Pakita's playing is that left kind of inside forward. Bone through the middle is still scoring goals. What a season he's having. And Kudus just looks like dynamite. And then that Ward Prowse, Suchek, Alvarez midfield is working great. That being said... Bowen is injured for a month, Kudus is at the AFCON, and Pakata is out for at least a month. So I don't know who's playing up front for the next like six to eight weeks, um, which obviously perfectly coincides with the time I will be able to watch them in person. So that's not ideal, but story of the season so far, Moyes in the last year's contract, I think he's gonna get a renewal. I think the festive period was so positive beating United, beating Arsenal, beating Spurs away. You know, that's been the bugaboo for Moyes is being so bad away from home against the so-called big six, beat two of them, beat another one at home, beat Chelsea at home as well. Um, it's just like, if you're West Ham, who are you going to go bring in? You can try to bring in, I think like Arna Slot is someone they're looking at or Anarim, the guy from Sporting, but it's like, those are all gambles. How can you not at least stick with Moyes for another two years? I'm not saying give him a five-year deal, but two years, the players clearly have bought in to the work they need to do to thrive under him, and they're seeing the results, so that's been great. And then just one last quick thing, I want to give a shout-out to Emerson, who's been unreal at left-back. Um, he's came in alongside uh, Zuma, has been really good in defense, and Areola, and it's been a really good positive year for West Ham, when I think a lot of us were pretty negative coming into the year. Um and in, in, in what this team was looking like domestically, even though we had won the European trophy, we had a horrible season last year in the Prem. We had 40 points, and this is what I'll end on. We had 40 points all of last year. We have 34 through 20 games. Um, so that just goes to show the improvement that we've made this time around. Yeah, you're in six, mate. So, I mean, <laughs> I think I think there will be a drop-off without Bowen and Pakita. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, Bowen is scoring the goals, but good season so far. Europe, you're still in there. Still in the round of 16 of the Europa League, that could be just a bit of, it's just kind of a bonus, I think, given what we had in the, in the spring and that, that first Europa League journey. Like That would be enough for a decade for West Ham fans. Anything now is kind of just extra. Um, all right, move on to our last team, Wolves, team that many people were negative on. Uh, the whole didn't really have money to spend. I think that maybe that's going to get exposed. Some FFP issues I've been reading. But what a job Gary O'Neill has done, similar to what he did at Bournemouth. Everyone thought they were doomed, came in, 
just got players working hard, implemented little bits of quality that were already there and has let them, you know, kind of shone through. Huang Hee Chan having a great year, um, is scoring the goals, killing at the back, really good. Um, guys like Sarabia popping up, Lamina has been a bright spot for them. So I think the story of Wolves' this season has been credit to Gary O'Neill for taking a team that was kind of in the dumps, didn't have a lot going for them after a couple of really good years, had really been on the decline, but he's kind of rejuvenated them. And I think they're in a pretty comfortable spot now. Shock of the season, Barvilla for me. Well, I think a lot of people had them down, weren't sold on O'Neill. Uh, he's been one of the managers of the season. Uh, I'm sure he'd like to stuff it more to Bournemouth, but they're doing okay too. Uh, Wolves have been excellent. They they have surpassed my expectations. Cunha, Chang. I mean, you mentioned. Uh, is that, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned these guys. I mean, they've they've been excellent. They 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 played Everton off the park. To be fair to them, uh, they're comfortably mid table. They're there with Chelsea, level on points with them. So goes to show uh credit to wolves not quite top half yet but but they're pushing for it and they're, they're in really really good form credit to o'neill he's, he's he's turned it around credit to gas all right that is gonna do it um for our premier league mid-season roundup um we're just getting started though the second half of this premier league season we're gonna go into a bunch of games i think we should have some content on our socials whether it's tiktok or twitter maybe um, of the games we're going to be at, but it's going to be one heck of a second half to this Premier League season. Um, so until next week, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.